Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs, talk about songs. Ooh, yes, those acoustic tones mean it's time for episode 133 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and here with me, as ever, is the Scooby Douches, Sarah Debunting. Sarah, hello. Oh, you meddling kid. Hello. <laughs> so, Sarah, Scooby you, Douches. Oh my god. I feel like when if if we were to close our eyes and listen carefully, we might hear the beat of angel wings in the sky. Uh, and I think it's because of the song that you've chosen today. Can you tell us which track you've brought to the table? Um, I can, but first, a joke. <laughs> what do you call it when Dolly Parton takes a bath? <laughs> Islands or in light. the stream. Yes. <laughs> um, that was you... never my favorite Dolly Parton joke, but uh, I had to I had to tell it. Um, yes. Yes. Today we are contemplating uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton's <laughs> Islands in the Stream. I can't believe that you led Because <laughs> I was like, should I bring that up? No. But then you were like, fuck it. The door is open. We're going through. Hey, uh, Mark, do you know why Dolly Parton's feet are so tiny? Why? You, why? you do know this one. Come on. Because things don't, don't grow in the shade. Oh. <laughs> Did you Parton. ever do the thing? Sorry, go ahead. Did did you ever do the thing with an old ca- calculator where you would type out a variety of little numbers and then at the end you would turn it upside yes. down and it spelled boobless? Mm-hmm. Like Dolly Parton went to the doctor and he gave her expos and that was too, too, too much. And then anyway, now she's boobless. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Angel Among Us, Dolly Parton. Um. These were the jokes of my childhood. Uh, <laughs> why don't we hear a clip? And then um, there are so many ways to feel and things to say about this song. Many of them, frankly, uncomfortable. Here's a clip. Hold me closer and I feel no Uh, 
that was sort of a long clip, but I did want to carry into that key change as just one way of illustrating that once you know the Bee Gees wrote this jam, you cannot <laughs> unknow it. They are all, they just jizzed all over this thing. <laughs> and I mean, this is like, this is an incredibly, it's a very Bee Gees, well-built, Bee Gees branded song. It's great for these two voices, and the two voices are well-matched. I think Kenny's scratchier, more porous timbre with her very uh, clear one, you hear that in the beginning of the clip when she's yep. going up over him. Like, he's sort of harmonizing with her, and then she hops up over him to harm to reharmonize. But here is my theory. I am not a crackpot. I think this might actually be a satire of the idea <laughs> of soulmates in pop music because even for a pop song, even for a pop song written by the Bee Gees, this is extremely heavy on the forever and the I can't live without you and even if we broke up, we should still bone and I also kind of feel like the arrangement is like too peppy. Like occasionally there's just horns like being horny that they're like, eh, eh, and you're like, what? I mean, what's even ha happening right now? So I have this sneaking suspicion that this is like a parody of itself, but I still love the song. Mark. I, you know, it, <sighs> Yeah, I don't. No You're matter, like, girl, no matter, you have lost it. No matter the intentions behind the creators of the song, your analysis of it holds. I feel, and it is one of those things that is so perfectly evocative of all of the excesses of <laughs> yes. yacht rock that it just becomes spectacular. Even the fact that I don't know if you've ever clocked this. I just clocked this today, the very day that we're recording this. The bridge of this song sounds exactly like the bridge of SOS by ABBA. When you're gone, how am I to carry on? That is the, oh, the music. wow. It's like the, it, it, there's just a section of Islands in the Stream that sounds exactly like SOS by ABBA. And I just feel like that just completely strengthens your argument that this song is so yeah, over the top that it... it, it and yet, and yet, I mean, they just put it right that they're like, we can write it together. Like, oh, word. Like, even as a whatever seven year old, when this song came out, I was like, I'm uncomfortable. And then there's the weirdness of making love with each other. It sounds like they're, <laughs> they're, they're making love, but like next to each other with other people. It's like, okay, we've got some making love to do, and we're a team, so let's get it done. Like, it's just a very weird, like, I understand that's how well, it scans, but it's like, what, what, what's well, and let's happening also just right sit now? With, I don't let's like Let's just it. sit with the, with the coked out madness of the first line of the song. Baby, when I met you, there was peace unknown. I set out to get you with a fine tooth comb. What? You did? did I don't know why, are but you I accusing always. accusing Dolly Parton of having crabs is that what's well, happening i always feel like that there's a pubic hair reference and i don't know how else to explain it like there's 
there's something about there's pubes. nothing but pubes in this song. <laughs> but here is the reason that Dolly Parton <laughs> with in this pubetastic world that we live in continues to be an angel on this earth because oh my god despite the fact that Kenny Rogers has the gall to comb her pubes <laughs> looking for crabs you bastard oh. <laughs> she she is so incapable of an inauthentic sounding performance that her bright beautiful energy and her clear tone, like you said, and just her perkiness and her willingness to be like, yep, I'm in it. It sells the whole thing. It and does. I think that it does. if Kenny Rogers were at the same emotional place that she was, this song would actually be unbearable. It would be cloying. But him being a little bit more reserved and gruff matched with her being so perky and bright, those mm. two things are perfect together. And It's, it's also like you said, possible that he is not aware that this is a satire of pop music and and that she yeah. does know and she's like all right kenny like nobody well, tell I, him well, let's just get this done oh. dolly parton <laughs> is a savvy lady so i guarantee you and um the other thing that i find so telling is that at least according to what i read kenny rogers was recording this song and didn't think it was working because he was doing it as a solo but then as so often seems to happen in the perhaps apocryphal stories of pop music history, Dolly Parton just happened to be recording in the same building. I mean, and so she came in and joined the song as a duet partner. And the next thing you know, the song really works. Now there are so many stories in pop music history about, they just happened to be in the same room or the same building. And now with magic, but the thought that this song didn't work without her and then worked to this degree with her makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Because it's Dolly Parton. All you really need now is Alison Krauss. But here, here's the thing. Everyone has covered this song. And it's like the actual Bee Gees covered it. And that's when like I listened to that version. And it's not indistinguishable from what we think of as the original. But it's once you have heard that, you start singing it to yourself with that classic Barry and Morris like <laughs> vocal <laughs> vocalizing like and we can ride it together <laughs> I mean and then they're just like plinking away on their keyboards in this whatever Bee Gees masterclass performance of it that I found but then you have a bunch of like real randos that covered it and some of the it'll be like people that you think of as like folk singers and you're like uh and that's sort of what strengthened my feeling that this was perhaps a meta commentary on the um often bathetic approach to love of pop songs mm. and that um the brothers gibb who whatever else you want to say about them styling wise were not the worst at construction and sort of um, wider thinking about what they were doing that sometimes appeared in what they were doing. Like these, they were like a sort of folk trio 
that wrote songs like, you know, I Finally Died, that started the whole world living. Like, all right, settle down. And then they're the universally reviled kings of disco. But meanwhile, Ooh, they're still like... Reviled, though? Let's let's rewind back to that Saturday Night Fever episode. These two queens on this podcast. Oh, not by me. I'm just saying, like, (laughs) when the backlash against disco began and like seemed to continue for about seven times as long as disco was really popular and mainstream. Um, like we get it, rock critics. You're not gay. Yeah, and you're not women, and you're don't, and you're not black. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, cool. Good job. Um, but yeah, I think they were they were like the the face of that and got slapped with the backlash as a result. But these have yes. always been amazing songwriters and I think deep thinkers about pop music construction and branding and um, individual sound and stuff like that. So... I I realize that my contention is kind of crackpotty, but n- there's just something about the fact that they wrote it that makes me think, and that they would never admit it, but it just makes me think, like, yeah. Or they wrote well, this song, like, as a joke for Andy Gibb. <laughs> right. And Andy Gibb was like, I don't get, I don't think it's funny. And they're like, fine, we'll, we'll give it to some country singers. <laughs> I don't well, know. It's making me think about Roxette, go with me here. Mm-hmm. Per Per Gessel, the the male half of Roxette, and honestly, I may have brought this up in our "Listen to Your Heart" episode, but that was like a year and a half ago. I don't remember. <laughs> he has always in interviews been very upfront about the fact that he would write a song like "Listen to Your Heart" or "Fading Like a Flower," specifically because he wanted it to be a hit, and he was analyzing the way that popular American ballads worked. And then he was able, through his gifts, to create something in that mold. And I feel like it's entirely possible that craftsmen like the Bee Gees did the same fucking thing. They were like, you know what? We need a smooth love jam. People like sounds, songs about this stuff. They like this type of sound. Is there anything more 80s, early, early 80s than, uh uh-huh, like a one, like a half octave vocal range uh, a, just a the the passionless uh uh-huh, to just transition you out of things like yeah I feel like they they are so good at what they do that they treat they treat pop songwriting like a business and they said you know what is going to be popular on the market this year this let's make it yeah and also who can who can sing as high as we do on the demo and how can we make this um like a little bit sort of rated R, but also so goofy that it's impossible to get outraged by how explicit it is. Like who can sell this lyric as a country crossover joint? Yes. And that like, we are creating this algorithm and it has spat out "Hmm, Kenny Rogers. Interesting. Not necessarily the direction we'd have gone with it. And Kenny sort of doesn't get the joke. Um, Because I think, when you are used to thinking about thinking in like a country music lane, you wouldn't necessarily be like, Oh, this is very ironic slash cynical. And then Dolly Parton comes by and it's like, 
She's like, let me remind you, I once said it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. I am totally in on the joke. I will come in here and be a pro and sing this and we'll all make a gazillion dollars. Bye. I I feel like you've also just touched on why drag queens love Dolly Parton, because a truly great drag queen can be sincere when she needs to be and can be playfully uh, ironic when she needs to be and can deconstruct all of it when she needs to. And Dolly Mm -hmm. Parton can do all of those things. And that's why she was the perfect person for this song. Yeah. And would be the first person to be like, I am a drag queen. I am a pro (laughs) hall of fame drag queen and exhibit a in RuPaul's everyone's born naked and the rest is drag. Like that's, that's Dolly Parton. And Let's also just go back to there is on YouTube a very wonderful oh, yeah. live performance clip of this song that people have been tweeting at us about since I put a little poll on my own personal Twitter about Islands in the Stream, which I don't it's not even worth getting into. But in the in the live performance video of this song, which has been seen like millions of times, for some reason that I, it's not clear to me why, Dolly Parton in the middle of the performance stops and just says, Excuse me, Kenny as though she's stepped on his toe or like <laughs> stepped on his line. And it's like so real and genuine inside of this gleefully polished fakery. And it's just why Dolly Parton is the greatest because she's like, I'm singing this song and it's only job is to be pleasant. And then in the middle of that, she's like, Oh, excuse me, hon. And they have a real moment. And you're like, yes, my queen, you can sell me this like silly shit because you're a real person underneath it. And you are always letting me see both things at once. Like drag queens of the world, human beings of the world, take a note in your little note, but in your little white book, yeah, in your little white book. I'd wonder if that was like, we are not lip syncing like proof that we're not lip syncing oh. is this moment. This like, yes, that's how you can tell. Like I always leave one tiny sti- like crossed up stitch in anything that I make. Because then you can tell that it wasn't from a machine. Ooh. You know. Yes. Dodo's hands made this. Um, You have a clip, so shall we listen to it? Oh, yeah. So um, another thing that it's important to bring up. One of the reasons that Islands in the Stream is forever going to be important to my heart is because it then cemented the commercial viability of Dolly and Kenny together. And that led to the release of the Dolly and Kenny Christmas album, which my country ass listened to so much in the 80s. When I was a kid, I have such clear memories of driving to my grandmother's house in the, the town just above Chattanooga, uh, driving all over the place at Christmas time, listening to this cassette tape. And it was one of those cassette tapes that the back, the box was black. Mm. Like it was one of those old cassette tapes. Oh, like there's yeah. no clear, and there's like, there's no liner notes. It's just like black cassette box heavy white plastic cassette and then the picture in the front that's all you get it's just like one shitty piece of paper with a picture on the front song titles white on the back you don't get no frills but what you do get is a song like what we're about to hear called christmas to remember and you're not going to hear any of the lyrics so let me just tell you that what this song is about is two strangers on a ski retreat weekend who fuck (laughs) and then decide they want to meet at a different ski retreat every weekend for the rest of like every year they want to go to a different ski retreat and fuck. But this is the chorus <laughs> oh that you get God. from that experience. You made this a Christmas to remember. Springtime feelings in the middle of December. 
I mean, I'd remember I that mean, Christmas. <laughs> so just, just so that we're clear. Oh, my um, God. Almost went to Aspen, but something told me no. I considered Mammoth, but there wasn't enough snow. <laughs> and I even thought of Gatlinburg, but that seemed too far to go. So I headed up to Tahoe. Oh, hold on. Fuck. So I headed up to Tahoe for a Christmas on the slopes. And I had fantasized about Christmas in this way, curled up by a fireplace in a Tahoe ski chalet with a fast-talking lover and some slow-burning wood. But even in my wildest dreams, it never got this good. You make this a Christmas to remember. I mean, yes! So first you have, like, Dolly Parton's mountains. You have Kenny's slow-burning coke dick wood. Oh, my God. And then... As the as I, this, as the I verses, wish this were a video podcast, my face right now. <laughs> yes. As the verses go on, it's literally like we were strangers when we met, lovers when we left. Uh, it's time for us to go as our hearts melt like chimney snow. There's just one thing I want to know. Can we do this next winter? Which is anonymous fucking. You make this a Christmas to remember. <laughs> I love that the implication also is like, don't call me. <laughs> yeah <laughs> until december 14th and then just tell me like which lodge to bring yes. myself and my diaphragm to oh my god because it's definitely not can we then celebrate new year's together no bitch i'm out it's like, <laughs> like it's like broke back mountain but for straight country singers <laughs> oh my god yes <laughs> And let me assure you that when I was little, I didn't grasp all of this. But now that I understand it, I think this might be, I, I in retrospect. It's a nice song, too. Like, melodically, I enjoy it when I'm yes. not dying laughing. Like, this, in uh, retrospect, is one of the songs I should have been discussing in one of our Christmas episodes. But here oh, we are now, so whatever. Well, <laughs> next Christmas. <laughs> uh, and we'll get to I, so... And, you know, obviously, yes, this song eventually produced Ghetto Superstar, which was a hit in the 90s, and we praise it for that. But Islands in the Stream, you helped the Bee Gees extend their professional lives after the death of Disco. You gave Dolly Parton another reason to prove that she is the queen of all things. And you made the way for one of the horniest Christmas songs of all time. What more could I have asked of you? Not one thing. Um, I might have asked of it that it provided conspiracy theory, and it did so. And it did. And it gave one up to you like a Christmas gift. Complete pop analysis contentment. A plus. No pubes. <laughs> more, no, no, more pubes. More pubes. <laughs> can there be more pubes? I don't think so. There can always be more pubes. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash massdass.podcast. 
become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastass. And as always, thank you for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.